Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So go to the uh, North Dakota Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and bring in uh, Jake Burns of, of the Orange and Brown Report. Jake, thank you so much for spending a couple minutes with me on Saturday. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Hey, listen, man. Jake, as always, man, I, I, listen, I, I watch pretty much everyone to get breakdowns. I love what you do. Over to Orange or Brown Report, you know, guys, if you really want to look at a breakdown, it's a big difference between watching the game at your house and then seeing it and have somebody break down on all 22. Uh, so if you guys uh, definitely, they're up there. If you want to go back and do a little deep dive of what the Browns were doing and some of uh, Jake's opinions, make sure you go check that out uh, on YouTube as well, the Orange or Brown Report. Uh, you know, Jake, uh, one of the things that hit me, um, and the reason it sparked my interest was, you said something, I don't know which week it was, I, it, it, it kind of jumbled together, but you said something along the lines of the Cleveland Browns have a, a you know, under Kevin Zafanski, um, they have a basic, you know, just a basic playbook where, you know, the, obviously it's the Kubiak playbook and, and, you know, they use play action and different things like that. But there's not a lot of, you know, really big complex route combinations and you said something that really sparked my interest. You said the Browns don't get any easy, cheap yards, right? Um, you you highlight how the Rams are able to get cheap yards just by motion or cheap, you know, uh, empty yards where they got, you send a guy in motion or they use a little pick route or something like that. Um, you know, what did what did you what did you did you see at the Browns' offense this year, and what made you come to that conclusion that they don't get enough easy yards? Yeah, I think that that's um that's that's something that I've talked about over time a little bit, which is like to me the Browns do pursue cheap yards. Uh G G Bush that I think that they do it um in in a different way, um a, a more nostalgic or throwback way than a lot of teams are doing now. So like you'll see the Browns stretch the field horizontally and you probably know what I'm talking about like out of empty. They like to do it out of empty where they'll run um, what I call horizontal spacing concepts, which are meant to stretch underneath coverage. So, for example, if you see a team playing four deep, three under, traditional cover four, right, they'll run five route concepts that eat up the underneath portion of the field, Mm -hmm. which stretch those three underneath defenders in a way that they can't cover all 53 and a third, right? So they run a lot of those either out of three by one, or uh, a two-by-two with a back, or if they go three-by-two out of empty, 
they do like to throw a lot of quick hitters. That's a big part of what Kevin prefers to do is to isolate the two over three side or the three over four side by picking on the underneath coverage as a means to attack horizontally. So I think that his way of getting cheap and easy yards is more reliant on the quarterback processing pre-snap, whereas what I'm talking about with the motion, things of that nature, is meant to more eliminate quarterback thinking and make it so the defenses get a little bit more confused. They have to figure out who to bump into coverage because you're overloading one side to the other pre-snap at the last moment possible, right, by motioning somebody, or you're making them honor a play-action fake because you have that fly motion right behind the quarterback. There's also the idea that I think Kevin could get better at and a reason I think they're pursuing some offensive voices that are a little different than what has traditionally been here, which is kind of like different alignments, so a different alignment and releases that confuse defensive backs. You know, if you have stacked alignments or, or defenses have to play those banjo rules or what are called FIFO rules, first in, first out, where it just makes the secondary think a little bit more about which players they're going to cover. And as you know, as a guy who played defense, when you think more, you are in trouble, right? When you think it hurts you, when you play reactionary, that's the type of ball you want to play defensively. So I think Kevin does a really good job of stressing underneath coverage, knowing the right times to stress underneath coverage, knowing the right time to stress flood concepts, which are like high, medium, low to a side to put the Browns numbers advantages in place to strain defensive backs. I think he's got a great feel for route concepts. What I would like him to do is make defenses think more pre-snap. You know, we talk about uh, defenses wanting to do things to hurt the offense pre-snap to post-snap. I would like the Browns to do more things pre-snap that hurt the defense and make them think and make them, in, in a, in a, in a, again, an, a more on their heels feel uh, because they're, they're worried or, or, or confused about what the offense is doing pre-snap that puts them in a less advantageous position post-snap. So um, that's kind of what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, uh, when you talk about the offense uh, and you talk about those, all these concepts, and let me see if – let me drill down on, on this, the Alex Van Pelt thing. Um, what are your thoughts on this? You know, if if, if O'Shea is, is in charge of the passing game, right, passing coordinator, and if Kevin Stefanski calls the plays, right, uh, mm -hmm. and, and he's the play caller, and, then, and Bill Callahan is probably in charge of the running game and the offensive line, when they moved on from Alex Van Pelt, what specifically were they moving on from? Like, it's not like he was – it doesn't seem like he had a direct correlation to the process on the field that led to, you know, him being outed. Is that just something to say, like, hey, we really are going to go get an offensive coordinator, and does that correlation mean that Kevin Stefanski is not going to be calling plays? Well, there's, yeah, there's two ways to go about this, in my opinion, as we look at what the process is. Um, there's the, the world we live in in which Kevin is not calling plays because if you look at some of the guys he's interviewing, I think that, like, specifically a Kellen Moore is going to want to call plays. I think Gerard Johnson is his next step is probably going to want to call plays. Brian Johnson, who, who is a the guy they're interviewing from Philly, Maybe it's a matter of what his options are out on the market, but I think he probably coming from Philly would probably still prefer to call his own play. So Kevin's in a bit of a predicament where traditionally, if you were going to be a head coach calling plays, you have a younger 
kind of hybrid player there, kind of kind of hybrid coach there, who's like a quarterback and offensive coordinator like Van Pelt, but is more of like a young up and comer who can get his own job somewhere else someday. Like like think of Petzing, right? Uh, who took the opportunity in Arizona, whereas like the Browns are mitigating risk of losing their general leader because like Kevin calls plays. He's the head coach. He's not going to, you know, he's the head coach. He can't go anywhere. Whereas if say Schwartz was the head coach and Kevin was doing really well calling plays, somebody would hire him to be a head coach somewhere. So the Browns are in a spot where instead of losing the head coach who calls plays, they could use, lose some up and coming younger coaches like a Petsing who could go call plays for somebody else. So generally that's what you would do is like you would have more of those younger voices that are coming into the quarterback OC role. Van Pelt's been around for a while. We all know that he's been around for, you know, we're probably talking about two decades now between his playing and coaching career. Like he's been around the league for a minute. I think he's a very well-known commodity. Obviously Kevin knows him extremely well. Uh, I think that there was just probably a desire for a different type of opinion around him in the highest ranking spot. We'll see if the Browns take those two positions that he held between quarterback and OC and make those two different coaches or just one. I'm not sure. But the thing that will happen is if Kevin retains play calling, that offensive coordinator is largely in charge of determining what the game plan will be. So, like, as Kevin builds out his early week preparation – the offensive coordinator in this scenario is tasked with a bunch of different things. What are the coverages they love and how can we attack it? What are the fronts they like to use on down and distance and how can we attack it? They're forming a game plan that him and Kevin come together, formulate thought processes together and make a decision. Now, typically sometimes that guy's up in the box. You, you probably notice the same way I do. The Browns, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint who's in the press box for them. Are Van Pelt on the sideline? O'Shea's on the sideline, Callahan's on the sideline. They All of their important offensive voices are down low. I think the Browns would be well served from getting some better voices up top, having some more bird's eye view sort of stuff and have some quality opinion about what's going on in the game from an up top voice. So I'm wondering if that's another part of what they're trying to do is kind of alter how they're viewing the game offensively instead of maybe relying on some of the younger coaches up there. But in general, What's going to happen here is if it's a big name, a Kellen Moore type, they're going to probably pass play calling over to that higher. And I think Kevin is comfortable enough in his position with the Browns as more of a CEO type that he could do that, pass that off, and then also be able to handle it again if, say, that coordinator leaves. Think of Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid has let Matt Nagy call plays. He let Eric Bieniemy call plays. But he can retain and take back calling plays at any given moment, right? So, like, plenty of opportunity to still be able to handle that while giving some guys who you, who you work with trust. But there's also a world where they hire somebody maybe off the beaten path or like a Tim Kelly who used to work with Deshaun in Houston, who was most recently the coordinator with um, the Titans. Like Deshaun's best days were with him in, in Houston in 2020 that they come together and Kevin still calls play. So I think long story short here, we'll know – pretty quickly based on who they hire, whether Kevin's going to keep calling plays. But, I, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong path to go here. There shouldn't be some knee-jerk, um, you know, angry reaction to if Kevin gives up play calling because I think he doesn't mind passing on and, and being the CEO observer type and helping game plan and stuff like that. But I also understand if he wants to keep retaining play calling and if 
the people above him, Dee Podesta and Andrew Barry, want him to keep doing that too because ultimately that's a really great value if your head coach can do that because then you don't have to seek out a different scheme if somebody gets hired away or something like that. You know what I mean? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Uh Talking to Jake Burns uh, on the uh, North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He's with the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, let me ask you one more question about the offense, and then it'll sneak into a couple defensive questions. Um, I, to me... The most glaring need um, for the Browns is receiver. Uh, what say you? Uh, obviously, Nick Chubb is coming back, but I don't know if you're really sold on Jerome Ford as a, the backup running back with that as well. Um, what, what would you say the biggest need on offense or biggest need that they, the Browns have overall in the offseason to, to get to that next uh, step? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, I think you would agree with me that Running back needs help. I mean, Nick coming back is going to help, but, you know, what kind of player is Nick coming back from that knee injury right away, right? It's probably quite understandable that he's going to need some time, right, to get back to being the Nick we know. I think Jerome Ford is a nice change of pace back. I think that there's obviously um, uh, plenty of room for growth in the depth department there. Uh, No secret about that. So, in my opinion, you know, running back is is pretty dang important. Then to get better, there's a lot of interesting free agents like like Zach Moss in Indianapolis, Austin Eckler from LA. There are a lot of interesting candidates out there. They were interested in DeAndre Swift a few years back when he was traded from Detroit over to Philly. So they were very in on that trade. Didn't didn't end up pulling the trigger, but they were interested there. So running back is something that I think they will either through free agency with a cheap answer or the draft bring in somebody that they want. I I, I lean toward free agency just because of the the value you can get on players and free agency at that position versus using draft capital. So um, that's just my early hunch, but they should, they should look to upgrade running back. I mean, health is going to help the offensive line, just getting their guys back. Conklin, Jed, right. Getting those guys healthy. I expect them to draft a lot of offensive line. Um, if, if you, if you want me to be honest, I think that there's an interest in like tellers getting older. Joel's on the cusp of retirement in the next few years. 
and then Conklin's getting, um, you know, phase himself out too at some point after this year. So you're looking at like some options at tackle. Obviously you have Dewan, but I think they're going to be interested in offensive line in, in the draft. But yeah, wide receiver is the spot. So, you know, you like Amari, but, you know, Amari's on the wrong side of 30. And that doesn't mean he's not producing, but that's just the reality of the NFL. That's old in the NFL standard. So you start to think about long-term answers. I think that they could definitely benefit from a second explosive wide receiver. Elijah Moore, not quite the player that you would hope he would be. I thought he would have a better – let me put it this way. He's a, he's a, a uh, outside wide receiver trapped in a slot receiver body. And if you know anything about outside receiver play, how challenging it is to get people the ball outside the hashes in the NFL – if you are a size issue, you better be an ultimate Antonio Brown type separator, right? You got to be really dynamic from a separation standpoint. And while I think he's a great route runner and I think he can do some things for you, he's not consistently good enough at that. So I think he's like, as far as a producer goes, a third guy. So you would really love a traditional X that can matter. Now, you, you, you think Cedric Tillman could maybe develop into that for you, and that's entirely possible. Uh, I think there's a lot of roles Cedric Tillman can develop into, but mentally I think we could all agree that he wasn't where he needed to be last year. Mistakes in alignment, mistakes in uh, covering the assignment he was supposed to do, uh, reading coverages in terms of the routes he was supposed to run. Very much a young, uh, growing pain type of season when they put him into the fold when they traded away Donovan. So you would love in an ideal world to maybe bring in a three- or four-year contract as, an ex- as a player playing the X position that – that split end, who's that one-on-one boundary dynamic type receiver. And then you let Amari play Z and you let Cedric Tillman sort of uh, filter in around that and figure out how to play Z when Amari is gone. But, you know, like in a perfect world, if you could have everything you wanted, T. Higgins makes a ton of sense as that post receiver. I think he could do really well with that role in Cleveland, especially his Clemson connection with Deshaun. I think like there's no doubt that could be a really nice fit. Uh, Michael Pittman um, from over in uh, Indianapolis, another name to monitor uh, that I think is well worth the time, right? I think a lot of people look at like Mike Evans, but I don't think Mike Evans, he's, he's been too ingrained in Tampa Bay. I don't, I don't expect him to leave Tampa Bay or even leave the NFC South if he were to pick a different destination. I don't, I don't think a guy who's been a Texas guy and a Florida guy is going to want to come up and play uh, in Cleveland is his age and all of that. So um I, listen, in general, I think that they need to go get another dynamic receiver. I think that that would really help this offense find yards that it couldn't find at times last year. So healthier offensive line, go get a running back that can help you actually play some meaningful snaps uh, at a cheap price in free agency. And then, yeah, expect them to put some money, some real money into pursuing a wide receiver that can matter for them. Uh, really quickly, uh, last question here. On the defensive side of football, why do you think that the Browns struggled so mightily on the road and the splits were different between the, the way they played defense on the road and, and the way they played at home? Well, I think that um, it, it could be some things as minor as, um, again, you play defensive line, you know you know how it is. Like When you're on the road, teams can mess with you on the snap count more. And in the NFL where the margins are so tight, I think teams do a really good job at messing with like snap count stuff and kind of making that long story short, if you can play with the snap count, you can slow down the pass rush. Right. So if you, if you slow down the Browns ability to get off quickly, right. You have better early pre-snap communication between coach and coordinator and you're playing some of those games in really great conditions. I mean, think about the road games the Browns played. Houston, Rams, 
in the, the ones that they struggled with the most, indoor, very controlled environments, very controlled field types, right? And I think that what we learned by the end of the year is that the Browns have to become more adaptable in coverage variation and confusing quarterbacks a little bit more. But I, I think the reason they struggle on the road so much, and it doesn't speak to everything, but it speaks to something, is that the controlled environment of things from the crowd noise, the quarterback manipulation pre-snap to post-snap, some of it being circumstantial in, in terms of playing the teams at the wrong time, like you know Matt Stafford is really an impressive quarterback and some of the others. But, I, I mean – I don't think we should like get too caught up on it being home road, even though the splits tell us that, but there are little minor things that I think can certainly, you can look at and, to, and, and see why those things would kind of mess with the Browns a little bit, right? On the road, quarterbacks are a bit, are, are more overwhelmed by the crowd noise in Cleveland. It, it feels like everything's on top of you. Whereas the road, the quiet environment at home, the ability to mess with the snap count. And you know, this two defenses at the NFL level, Quarterbacks can do what's called unfolding the coverage pre-snap with a dummy count. So that means, like, you give a count, defense starts to sort of hint where they're going, whether that's a blitz creeping up or a secondary player rotating up or rotating back. You know, like, they were able to manipulate the Browns in terms of, like, they did a great job of unfolding coverage pre-snap to put them in a really advantageous spot. But, again, I think largely the Browns just didn't, prepare the right way to play well on the road. Like they did not do well enough getting themselves ready, leaning into like at home teams are going to make more mistakes uh, opposing offenses are than the, when they're on the road and the Browns just have to be better in those scenarios. Like, so I, I think that there's some building advantages that they, that hurt them for offenses at home, but I just didn't think they traveled well in terms of what their job was supposed to be, how they get it done, that kind of stuff. So, to me, I think it's a little bit overblown with the splits, but I, but I ultimately think that there's some little layers that offenses have at home as an advantage that the Browns have to get better at. And I think they can in the second year of a system as they get more familiar with what they want to do and can maybe add in some of their own wrinkles. So there are things defensively to talk about this offseason, about what they have to do to get better, as was exposed in certain games this year, particularly the last taste we have of them in Houston. But – I don't think that, like, they're going to continually and perpetually be bad on the road. I think they can do some things to figure that stuff out a little bit. But, yeah, I think it's it's at least worth discussing and being a little bit concerned about, right? Hey, hey Jake, I thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your day. Hey, appreciate you having me anytime. All right, man. Jake Burns on the North Ocean Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.